Today we have Deepika Sharma on the show. Do you want to be a successful real estate investor? Deepika Sharma is the perfect example of the saying, winners never quit and quitters never win. She has an amazing story of how she overcame all odds to become a successful real estate investor. In this episode, you will learn how to develop relationships with brokers, solve problems on properties, renegotiate interest rate cap escrows, and how to leave your W-2 job to become a full-time real estate investor. This information is invaluable for anyone wanting to achieve success in real estate investing. Listen and learn. I've had many people ask me how to get started in multifamily investing. So I put together a free email series that walks you through the process. You can get it by going to https colon backslash backslash www.dbprivateequity.com backslash passive income. And yes, you do need to include the entire URL, including the www. I hope you get a ton of value from it. And now on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Deepika Sharma before we start the show. Deepika and her family live in the DFW area. She was licensed as a realtor in 2016, and her focus was mainly on residential. She and her husband later decided to focus on multifamily, and she was awarded her first deal in 2020. She was best in final in many deals and kept coming up short, but she was determined to win her first deal, and she did not quit. Now she's in six deals in over 1,400 units. This girl is the epitome of determined. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Deepika Sharma. Deepika, I appreciate you coming on the show. Hi, Darren. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me to your show. I'm excited to talk to you. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So just a little bit about how we know each other, and then we'll jump into it. So Deepika and myself are both members of the same multifamily mentorship group, Brad Sumrock Group in in Dallas. And uh, we actually were competing for the same property. And maybe we'll talk about that property a little bit later, but a property called Kenwood Heights in Corsicana, Texas, about about an hour south of of Dallas. And, um, you know, we were head to head and they won and I lost. And that's what prompted me to to start the podcast. So, you know, partly I'm disappointed I lost that deal and partly I'm I'm happy that it, it ended up, you know, causing me to start the podcast. So with that, I typically ask how many properties and how many units you're invested in. I think it's six properties. One of them went full cycle and units, I think around 1,400. That's what we own and operate. So you said six properties and a lot of them went full cycle? 
Just one of them. Oh, one of them went full cycle. Yes. I'm like, yes. a lot of them? I'm like, when did you started pretty recently. I'm like, how did you get yeah, that many? No, that no, just, yeah. Fantastic. So why did you get involved and what kind of, what was your background and why did you even get involved in multifamily? So it's, it's basically, you know, how we got multifamily because me and my husband, Satish, he works with me in this as well. We were looking for, you know, kind of a, asset or you know some somewhere where we can create a passive cash flow for us where there's some cash flow coming and we are not just to retire from nine to five kind of a situation so that's how we were like Satish was exploring he is a big podcaster guy and he listens to a lot of stuff a lot of educational videos and books and whatnot so he he was like exploring options and he came across Brad Samrock group and he went he was the first one actually to go to Artuar. Oh, so you didn't, you didn't go with him. He went, he went no, on no, his own the, the first not time? the first time. Yeah, first time he's the one who went and he was so impressed. And he's like, this is our way forward. And I was like, first time I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, it's, it's something I was surprised because he was so convinced the first time he went and he was like, I think this is what we need to do. And this is something I'm convinced with. And then later on, I went to an Artuar and we were like all in and, uh, I, I was already in real estate, so I was in, I started this full time and uh, he was still has having his W2 job, but he was working with me on the side uh, as much as he can. So uh, spare some time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're, you said you were in real estate in what capacity? I'm, I'm also a licensed realtor. Okay. So I started, I got my license in 2016. And uh, since then I was like more involved in single family Basically helping others purchase and sell properties and that kind of. Um, and then Satish, what, what's his W2? What is, what kind of. He is an, he's a software engineer. Software uh, engineer, okay. Yes, he's in software. Mm -hmm. So it, it is pretty crazy to think that one conference can really change, you know, your mindset and your direction and your focus mm -hmm. that much. But it's yes. true, it can, right? It can be, yes, because Darren, I mean, we were already in that process of, you know, trying to figure out, okay, where are some, what are some ways that we can create some cash flow for us and maybe have a supplemental income or something like that. And then when we went, like when we went there, we saw so many success stories and it is like your, just your mindset. If you change your mindset and you think that, okay, if these people, if everybody else can do it, why cannot I? So that's how we think. And we, we thought, okay, okay. And we started with the, you know, we were not, we were fully sure that this is what we want to do. And we went all in. Whatever we could grab education wise, we, we took that and moved forward with it. That's fantastic. I was at, at a friend's house yesterday and there were a few other real estate investors that were there, not related to the Sumrock group, but, you know, one of them I was talking to for a while and he's more in the Airbnb space. Okay. and. He learned that space and then he's comfortable with that space. But I think that the important thing that you said was, look, you were looking for some passive cash flow. You were looking for another income source that could potentially replace, you know, your, your W-2 income. And yes. for you guys, multifamily investing was the way to go. There are a yes. lot of different avenues that you can choose you know, but we kind of focus in on multifamily because that's our world. Um, yes. So once you got involved, 
Like you made that decision. Cause I think that's a big deal. It's a big deal yes. to say in your mind, I'm going all in, you yes. know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend the time to do this. And I believe if other people can do it, I can do it. You said that, yes. you know, yes. yes. I, I think you have to have those two things first, right? You have yes. to make that decision and you have to believe that you can do it. Yes. Right? Commitment. Commitment. Yes. Yeah. So then what'd you do next? So basically, I think like when we started, it was a little bit of learning curve. We educated ourselves how it works and, you know, the underwriting and stuff like that. And then we started building relationships. And that's what we did. Like we, in 2019, we were like full on putting LOIs, submitting LOIs for different properties, visiting multifamily properties around Dallas, meeting brokers, building relationships with them. And they knew because we uh, visited a lot of properties during that period. And we put uh, submitted LOIs and the serious ones. And we were in best and finals in a lot of them. But, you know, back then... Uh, the underwriting was a little different. And so we could not get to the final. We did not get awarded, but people like brokers were aware that we are serious buyers and we are seriously into this and they, they trusted us. And a lot of times they, they called us to see properties that were even off market. So, so that's why we like that. That's the time that spent putting the seed in the ground and then read the results later. And 2020 is when we entered our first deal beginning of 2020. And then after that it's 2022 and we are six properties and are under our belt and, uh, and I think it was like the footwork that we did in 2019 and build relationships. And it is a continuous process. You just keep doing that. But that's what we did in the beginning. That's fantastic. I guess speak to the, you know, provide encouragement to some listeners that are going after their first deal. They've mm-hmm. put in offers. They, they're not getting the deal. But what I heard from you was because you were, you were close Mm-hmm. You gained credibility with the brokers that, and that you didn't give up. You know, I think yes. that if, you know, brokers see people come in and, you know, maybe put in an offer or two and, and then they go away, they just yeah. work with the people that they feel are committed. So yes. you guys wouldn't go away. No, we would not. <laughs> we were like, you know, we have no other choice. There's no second option. The only thing that we have is way forward. We cannot go back. So it's like me and Satish, we believe in never give up attitude. We like, we think that it will happen maybe sooner or later. It is going to happen. The only thing is we have to keep doing our work. There will be days that you feel, oh my God, nothing is happening and things are not go- going the way we wanted to. But I think those are the days you... Just push yourself. No, you have to keep going. It is going to happen. So we we never kept second option. We all there was only one option to move forward with this. That's huge. Whether it takes a lot of people will say it, it'll take a year, and you know, but some people, you know, they may come out in the first three six months and land one, and others it may take two or three years. Like in yes. and so you know, knowing that. Each, each time you go out on a property tour, each time you meet with the broker that you're getting that much further, you know, and, yes. and you feel like, look, I've been runner up on a number of di- different deals and there's a piece that feels like, oh man, that's wasted work. But then you think about it and you learned about yes. the property, you learned yes. about the area, you learned what the broker likes, you learn, you know, 
And you can take that to other deals. So it's yes. not a complete waste, but it does exactly. feel that way when you don't get the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I also another thing that I want to add to that is like, you know, even uh, from broker's perspective, that's what I feel when they see somebody who is constantly coming out there, putting offers and walking the properties with them, they know how serious we are. Like it's not like it builds your reputation with the brokers because they know that you are not in this just for fun Absolutely. or just to try something. It is something that you seriously want to pursue and they build that trust in you that, okay, if if they are, if given this, if they are awarded the deal, they will make sure that it's closed because, because we are committed and we are there out there and we are like behind them. Okay. Is there another deal? And like, you know, always underwriting, putting offers. So that's, I think that builds your reputation with brokers as well. So talk about the, the balance of showing the brokers that you're committed and mm -hmm. serious and yet you could be a pain in the butt too, right? I mean, so like that balance of, you know, gaining credibility, but being somebody that they want to work with. So, I mean, what I feel is like, uh, we have been in touch with them and I, I think there, there is always a property or, you know, something that they send along to us, which, which we think does not work. I think it's important that you let them know right away and not waste their time, you know, okay, I'm underwriting or I'm doing this or something like that. I think it's important if you are sure that this is something you're not going after. This is something that does not make sense for you. Make them make it clear to them and they know, okay, this is something they don't want to go after and then they can move forward and work with other people. If something that is that you really think it works, keep them posted, but not not too many questions. I mean, definitely you have to ask whatever you need uh, to, to for deal to, to underwrite the deal or, you know, then you work your resources. And I think it's important that you don't drag it so long that they feel, okay, they're, they're just wasting my time. I think that is something important from broker's perspective. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. You want, you want, that's, a, that's a great point is that, you know, building that relationship with brokers that you want to, you want to have them understand quickly whether you're engaged in that deal or not. And because yes. they're going to mentally think, okay, I've got these 10 or 15 buyers or, you know, that are serious. And, you know, I think we're going to get a good offer out of this group. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, if they feel like you're in saying you're in every deal, but you're, you're, you're really only focused on, you know, a, a handful of those, um, yes. you could lose credibility that way potentially. Exactly. Yeah. So that's great. Um, so was Kensington, was that Kent, was Kenwood Heights your first deal? Uh, as a lead sponsor, yes. But I had like another deal, I think just, just before Kenwood Heights, I was a co-sponsor sponsor in another deal that was in Houston. And that's the one who, which went full cycle okay. in May of this year. Um, so let's, and let's talk about that. So before you became a lead sponsor, you were a co-sponsor. So, yes. you know, for the listener's benefit, what's the difference between a lead sponsor and a co-sponsor and then... How did you show value to the lead sponsor to, to get part of that deal? Uh, so basically, um, how like let's talk a little bit about co-sponsor here. So we were working with those, you know, um, those partners for a while on, on, you know, because we like, you know, at the time we were very new to the industry. And uh, as you know, it's it's something, you know, you always need a experienced partner on your side, on your team that, you know, you go and put 
your first LOI with, get your first property with. So we were working with them for quite a while. We like, you know, during like the, I told you in 2020, 19, we were putting LOIs and obviously you have to have a people who you work with and put an LOI because then broker does need to see that there is somebody experienced on the team as well who knows how that this works. And uh, so we were working with them for a long time and they know they also like, you know, trusted us. And so we were like, you know, we wanted to, to like, we, we thought we were like, you know, working, we knew the market and that, but that property was in Houston and we, we were like, you know, we wanted to be a co-sponsor on a deal so that, you know, we can build our CV as well. And, and it was a curve kind of, you know, we, we bring value by doing, looking at the numbers and whatever, like how, however we can help and raising funds and stuff like that. So that's what we did. And, and they gave us an opportunity to partner with them on that property. That's fantastic. For the listeners benefit, if you're, if you are new to the industry, you know, what she said is spot on. I mean, if you're looking to get your first deal and, and we're talking, you know, larger multifamily, 60 units, 80 units, 100 units, 200 units, you really are not going to have a, a really good chance of winning that. You, I, I say you can't win it, but maybe there is a way to win it if you way overpay. But, uh, you know, to put your best foot forward, you really do need to partner with somebody who has experience. Exactly. I think I also believe like, you know, especially in the beginning, when you're very new and in that, like, you know, and even as a seller for seller, like, you know, most of the people who are putting, they, they do see who they are partnering, if they have any previous experience, even if, you know, with broker, we do have a good, good reputation and that's how we got all our deals. And, but for, for seller, everybody is same for them, you know, they need to know, okay, this is the team who has, who has experience and who has been doing this for a while. So they, they build that trust on the go, right. When they are looking at the offers. And I think that is why it's important to have a good team and, you know, somebody experienced on your uh, team as well. So that, that is definitely an important piece. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking to achieve something, you know, start with the goal in mind and then work backwards. And if you think about, you know, the conversation that happens right before the broker <laughs> makes the phone calls, it's the yeah. seller and the broker talking behind closed doors and the seller saying like, who should I go with? right? We've yes. got three offers that are pretty close. Who should I go with? And the broker most likely is going to recommend somebody that they've done business with or they know from mm -hmm. the industry. Um, yes. So if you're an unknown and you're a first timer, it's, it's very, very, very difficult to break in. Yes. So you got that experience with that um, mm -hmm. experienced person. And then what happened next? How did you go about? So next your was the Kenwood. Okay. Next was the Kenwood, and Kenwood is, I think, <laughs> the what would start off our portfolio. So it is like you know we were we wanted we like as I told you you know from the beginning me and my husband we always thought we are all in and we want to be our focus was mainly to become a lead sponsor that was the but then you know when you get go through this journey and you feel okay. There are certain the steps that you need to follow and that's what we did. And then Kenwood came along and we went and we were actually, we underwrote the property. We liked the area and as you have underwritten it yourself, so you know how great the property was, you know, given the basis that we got it at, like, you know, the price point we got it at and and especially that market. It's a smaller farm market, but there's a lot of, the inventory is pretty low in that market. Right. That makes it even greater because, you know, that, that means that you will be full most of the time. 
and that's and we went to see that property and underwrote it and then we were you know kind of we were in a like at that time i told you right that deal was going at the same time the one that we were the, the partners that we were working with so it was they were not we were not looking to partner with them because they were already doing another deal and we were looking for an experienced partner or you know somebody to bring on board and that's how we reached Dustin to uh, talk about Kenwood and we showed him underwriting and he liked it too and he said okay yeah let's do it and that's how we went after this and uh, I think we had a relationship with the broker as well Silva who was selling that deal at the time and that also helped us Kenwood uh, was definite and and you know as soon as we went under contract in Kenwood and COVID started just right right that time right. And, you know it was it was uh you know sure it was stressful <laughs> I know yeah it was like a time that you know people a lot of like you know when we uh, started marketing marketing that deal people were really excited because it was a you know how low basis and it was really it was working so well and everything so and then COVID hit and then my stock market crashed and people got, started getting cold feet, you know, I don't know if I should put my money because that was very beginning of it. So yeah. it was like nothing, it was, everything was unknown at the time and people were like, you know, confused what to do. And that made our life a little bit difficult. And, but fortunately it all went well. We were able to close on time. We did not even take any extension on that uh, deal. Uh, we were able to close in 60 days time frame and today all our investors are like really happy with that deal and I'm, they're like I'm you know sure. never sell it right. <laughs> never sell it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we are distributing great cash and cash um, on that uh, deal and it is we are i think almost three years in 20 april of 23 it will be three years and it is still we are very proud of that deal fantastic yeah, I mean, you you underwrite, you underwrite, you put offers, you put offers, and you don't know when it's going to hit. Um, there's a, um, a gentleman that I went to one of his conferences in, in California, um, Greg Reed, and he had a book called Three Feet mm-hmm. from Gold. And mm-hmm. it's all about that. It's like, you know, you're, you're so close, and, but you can't see it. And right. so there's some people that I know that get into this business and they – put offers, put offers, and then they give up and they go someplace else and they may have gotten the next one, you know? So yeah, it's, it's yeah. you really, it is perseverance and determination. And um, the other thing is, I think surrounding yourself with other people that have done it gives you mm-hmm. the confidence. Um, at least it did for me. When I saw a lot of success stories, I had the same thought as you, like these people are smart, you know, but if they can do it, I can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so when you see that all those success stories, and you're you you really believe that you can do it, then anyone anybody can really get into this game. But yes. you have to understand that there's going to be some hard knocks along the way. Yes, definitely. And <laughs> you'll not believe, you know, I like when we started uh, in 2020. Since then. A lot of things have changed. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, sometimes I'm me and me and Satish, you know, we we, we laugh and then you know, we think, okay, so, my so God. So tell us about some of, some of those. What, yeah. like what? So like, I'll tell you. Uh, so, you know, in these three, three years, COVID came, right? Then after that, the eviction moratorium. So I think property management was very different before COVID 
hit uh, and after it hit, like you know after it started property management game completely changed uh, but there was a lot more additional work and uh, you know that that and then you know you have to that the problems will come and the problem was that people were not able to pay rents and you know we were not able to evict and but we still have to make money to uh, pay our bills right and mortgage and stuff so we worked with the property management hand in hand to make sure that you know we are able to help our residents um, apply for um, rent relief programs because that was out there and so we we worked on that and then even pro- i mean it was a little bit of work for pro- for managers as well but we were constantly working with them taking up grades what's going on and uh, working on that uh, so that is one thing and then later on like you know it's tw- okay 20 22 21 we were still struggling with some delinquency and stuff like that and dealing with you know trying to get some rent relief and stuff and then you know later on the problem was getting people evicted and then because you know the people were not paying and they had a long the, the stack of you know what they had to pay and then but then courts will not help but then again like you know we kind of worked with property management company and figured you know what is the best move forward how we can so again rent relief helped a lot and we were constantly trying to help residents to get some rental relief and then another another thing and you know 2022 comes and here comes the interest rate hikes and that's that's the time we were closing our deal this year um it was in may of 20 um 22 that was um we closed our uh, 418 units in fort worth and uh, you know and then you know now we are like you know, dealing with this and like you know we were we had we we are kind of uh, learning a lot during this process with the different uh, situations the market situations that's changing drastically in this last two year two or three years yeah that that's a lot you're right i mean that's a lot of change and and um you know it definitely taught me a lot of different things uh, one of which was holy cow you own a property and you're in a state that you think is landlord friendly and then yes. all of a sudden the government says you cannot evict for non-payment and exactly. so you know as as owners of of properties i remember everybody was scared like okay no nobody's going to pay their rent and how are we going to pay the mortgage and <laughs> uh but you know what i saw was people pay for food and then they yes. pay for rent. Now there was a there was still a good chunk that you know were slow pay or no pay and had to go through rent re- relief and all that. But we were cash flow positive on every month where yes. that was I was like holy cow. I've heard that multifamily was res, you know resilient in good times and in, and in bad, but and nobody could have predicted right yes yes where the government says you cannot evict for non-payment and yes. you still are making more cash to pay the the mortgage and not having, exactly you know that's incredible and that's what makes it a great asset class you know um i mean uh, we, yeah, as you touch so said right we haven't heard like we heard the stories that you know this is the most resilient asset but we have not experienced and, and during this time we have experienced it and you you see like you know i think this is probably the only asset class government was supporting with rental reliefs right. I, there is i i haven't like you know at the time so this is like you know people were not they were supporting residents to pay to be able to pay the rent because this is the most important thing this is a basic basic necessity 
so people have to live and government was supporting it uh, i think it was very less in other other asset classes i don't think there was not much relief i think there were some programs definitely but yeah this is i think something that all right so i know you're not an economist but you are a business owner and you're an owner of pro- cash flowing properties um right look there's a lot of talk about 2023 big recession that's you know mm-hmm. coming and interest rates are higher, inflation's higher, we're going to have a big recession. So what do you think happens with multifamily in that circumstance? Um, so, I mean, definitely, I mean, it is something um, that we, what I feel is there will be a lot of good opportunities. Uh, I mean, I'm not, like, as you said, I'm not an economist. So I'm not right. uh, like, you know, I cannot say for it all, but the but I, what I feel is there, uh, multifamily is still a great asset class to buy, purchase because uh, I think there will be a lot of opportunities. There will be, you know, owners who will be forced to sell uh, in the in 2023. And uh, but yeah, we will definitely have to pivot and uh, you know adjust our uh, you know underwriting ways of underwriting and how we look. Uh, at the leverage and other stuff. So definitely we will have to make some adjustments, but I think there is still an opportunity and uh, we, we should, I mean, the, of course we will have to look at, you know, um, this little bit differently, but there, there will be a lot of opportunities. I still feel, and that's what I, you know, in 23, I feel there will be a lot of opportunities because, uh, uh, the, you know, the cap rates have, um, expanded quite a bit and, um, and I think that that will continue to do. And so it is a good time to buy, I would say. So what about from, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I, I've seen um, passive investors, I've, I feel, are getting more nervous to invest. Mm-hmm. And in, into deals, they're more cautious uh, with all of the, the, uh, the talk about, you know, a big recession coming. Do you see the same thing in your world? I I do. I do. Uh, I have uh, like, you know, uh, from uh, like, you know, investors are definitely a little bit cautious and especially I think um, with multifamily, I feel uh, people who have been investing in multifamily for them, you know, cash flow was a big thing. It is something that they really like about multi- investing in multifamily. And I think this is something that has been impacted a lot given the interest rate hikes. And I think that is kind of, you know, um, that's why the investors are more cautious and they are looking at the deal uh, like, you know, but I think it is uh, with the time, as I told you, right. When we uh, got into like in 2020, even COVID hit, we nothing, nobody knew anything. Right. right. And uh, so people were not sure what to do. And, uh, but eventually they learned a different way of, you know, looking at the things and, you know, uh, how, what to, what to evaluate and how can, we get be benefit out of it, and that's how what will happen in with this. I think as well, like eventually, uh, people will figure out the ways to uh, make a more informed decision and see what is you know what works best for them. That's a great point. I think that you know if you, no matter what asset you you own, there's there's challenges that come your way, and exactly. you know if you know that there's certain challenges that are going to come your way, and you tr- you look, you're trying to mitigate all those risks uh, as much as you can on the front end. But um, when those things happen, you know, 
going searching for other people in your space that have implemented best practices and have solved those those problems is key mm-hmm. because yeah it's typically it's not like every single person in that space is you know doomed you yeah. you know so if you but if you just sit on your hands and hope the things will that won't <laughs> no you, it won't it most likely you're not going to you know benefit from that but if you yeah. pivot and focus on solving whatever the problem is at hand you're probably going to f- come out the other side exactly and i have a great example for that i okay. i'll tell you yeah, go for um it. so um so my um, like you know uh, in our the deals that we own currently couple of deals they were on bridge loan and we bought the cap uh, for both of them um and uh, you know and we were like you know because right now the cap was uh, we had to buy another cap because you know um it was expiring soon and um one of the properties that we have a cap on it was the the cap was expiring next year and but but what happens is like you know the lender they calculate uh, every 6 months and they escrow um, the you know the amount whatever they need to buy purchase the next cap they escrow that amount right uh, so i our escrow was go up by a lot in december of this year because they start escrowing one year before the cap expires right so so, so explain so, what a lot is because i'm i'm in a lot of pounds. deals and i've seen some of these you know yes. increases yeah so 90000 was the escrow that's going to be uh, and what like, were, know, and what was the payment before that um so it, i think it was m- much lower i don't remember the exact number i but, mean it's uh, i'm seeing deals where it's multiples it's not like it's going up by 10% no, 20% no it's, it's i think it was 25 to 30000 that's what i remember so but it, i'm not sure right, the exact yeah, number but, but like yeah. the, it, it, whether it was that 20 or 30 or 30 I mean, it was like three times all of a sudden yes. you, your cash flow has to go from 30,000 to 90,000 all of a sudden. It's like, yes. holy cow, how do you, know, you better have exactly. the cash flow to do that. Yes. I, no, so that's what I'm, I was coming to. Like, that's what I told you. Like you were saying, we cannot sit on hands and right. just wait for things to happen on its own. But so we kind of, you know, what we did was because um, that our cap rate that we bought, it was two years back in 2020. And uh, it, it had an in, it, inherent value of its own uh, and which was a lot because that time the cap rates were not as expensive as they are today. Right. So and our cap rate was at 0.75. So what we did is we uh, used the inherent value of that cap and took another amended our cap to a little bit more extended period and it, and and uh, increased the you know uh, the rate cap by just tap it. So basically, uh, and that reduced our um, escrow to half. Wow. Yeah. So now the escrow has gone down to forty to forty five thousand. Whereas it was at 90. So explain that again, because look, there's, there's passives on here, but there's also a lot of other syndicators and they're, they're dealing with this on a lot of different properties. And some may have taken advantage of doing something like this and some may not have. So explain again what you did. So you went back to the lender that you currently had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, uh, like, you know, I, I'm not like, you know, we were getting this emails, like, because our rate cap has this value, they send a valuation letter to you. And we, we and, you know, actually, it was my husband, Satish, who was actually, you know, be, became uh, 
proactive and you know uh, innovative with it and he's like you know i think we something we can do something like that and he reached out to the lender he'd figured out okay what is the way they said okay if you amend the cap rate currently we have to increase like our rate cap was at 0.75 we had increased to 2.09 which was acceptable to lender because it has inherent value we use that money to buy another cap rate rate sorry not cap rate rate cap and that's how you know because we have an extended value so now our escrow has went down uh, because our our rate cap was supposed to expire next year now we have bought it until 24 so you know the escrow will start like it has reduced because it, they will start smaller amount and then it eventually they will again recalculate later so that that's how it helped us so is part of it that you're escrowing for a longer period of time yes so you're you're escrowing for a longer period of time so you're instead of it going up 60,000 you can do it for 2 years extend mm-hmm. it and then you're doing you're doing the escrow for a longer period of time so you could cut it in half. Mm-hmm. That's that's a a massive win for the cash flow, right? It is. Yes. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why like you know I told you I had like the the example like you were talking about, you know, that we have to find the find this ways to solve the problem. We cannot just sit on our hands and and there is like you know there is a way like people there's always a solution for a problem and you just have to look uh, in detail or deep enough and uh, dig deep enough to figure out what is the way to figure to to move forward with this and you know still have our investors protected that's huge and that goes to networking also like so mm-hmm. you know i think that in this space people think of networking all about um meeting passives you know people that are going to invest in your deal and that is important for sure you need you know you need to be able to build a group of investors that want to invest in the deal so that you have enough capital to to purchase the property but there's also a ton of value in building relationships with other syndicators other people other property owners so that if you run across a situation you're like oh you know what i know that this person had a similar situation and you can call that person in a matter of 5 minutes find out how they handled it and mm-hmm. and you could end up you know saying you know what that's a great idea i'm going to do that same thing and mm-hmm. versus if you just were a property owner on an island by yourself don't talk to anybody and you don't you know it's it's much more difficult to find that solution yes i agree uh, i think a lot of times i mean you know that we go to brad's mastermind events and i meet other syndicators quite a bit and we discuss stuff and we definitely learn a lot from each other and uh, i think uh, networking has that power like you know you you surround yourself with s- similar minded people and you there are a lot of things that you know there are a pointer or two that you can give them i mean this is something i discussed uh, in the last event i met somebody who and they were surprised my god this is a way to do it and i'm like yes <laughs> and that is something uh, you right. know uh, th- th- we can share our knowledge and that helps others and you know then they can they tell us something um like you know they they have been doing and that uh, kind of helps us with probably something and or probably the the maybe the issue that we are facing at that time and uh, so a good example is like you know we share contacts like you know we're looking for you know some vendors uh, and 
I I get a lot of those contacts from my <laughs> network of syndicators who have worked and have a previous experience because you know if somebody has already worked with them they know uh, how good or bad and if there's some this is something you you know you should go want to go with or not uh, and because it's a it's a time consuming process because me and Satish are mostly like you know in our um deals we do the rehab um like the, the capex projects is and business uh, plan is implementation that is what we mostly focus on and uh, so we have to deal find the you know good vendors uh, to do stuff for us and uh you know negotiate with them and stuff so uh, definitely those things uh if you are, if you have a vetted source uh, that helps a lot S- saves our time basically yeah that's huge and i would say this I don't know why. Um I guess because people partner a lot because the deals are big. Um mm-hmm. but I've never seen any industry like this one in terms of you know you said share knowledge, you know. Yes. That people are just willing to share, you know. Yes. And you share with the next guy and help him up and then the guy above you helps you up and it really is an incredible industry in terms of everybody sharing and everybody benefits, you know, yes. some people, and then it goes to mindset too. I think, um, you know, some people think if I share, well, I'm giving away my secrets. Yeah. But you know what you get, you do something good for somebody today. And then it may be the person that you helped or it may be somebody completely different and it comes back around, you know, it does. And so, so that's huge. Um, talk about the impact, wealth building impact that this has had on your life in such a short period of time, three, four years, six properties. I I know the valuations and how they, how they can go up and how that can impact you. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, I would start with my husband, Satish has joined us full time. So Uh, he's no longer W2 employee. He is not, he's no longer. For how long is that? He, I think he had been in um, in IT industry for almost 20 years. 20 and, years. Yeah. And now he, you know, his last day was last Monday and he is doing this full time, although he was always involved and, you know, but again, like, you know, with W2 job, you cannot focus uh, on this um, as much as you want to. And uh, so he was, because you have your other W2 job to take care of. So it takes a lot of hours of your day. Uh, but now since, uh, you know, uh, and that is, that speaks for itself that, you know, how this helped us, uh, this uh, multifamily investing helped us grow. Uh, and, you know, it, we are able financially independent enough that, you know, okay, uh, he can come into this. And I think this is something we want to expand further because I think this, this industry has a bigger rewards than, you know, any W2 job um, can provide you. So, and, um, we were able to, uh, you know, uh, 10x our uh, net worth. And that is uh, another thing that uh, we are proud of. And uh, I mean, it. so uh, we, I mean. Hey, I can, keep we smiling, always- <laughs> you know, I mean, th- hey, those two things just combine 10x your net worth and your husband, you know, was able to leave his, his job of 20 years. Um, that says a ton. I mean. Yes. And you know what? You're smiling and you like what you do. You know, yes. I mean, that's the other thing is, is I see people that are in this space and they get to a certain point and that you could just kind of go off to the side, but people just keep giving. People yes. keep getting in the game and keep buying more properties, helping communities, 
helping other people get in the industry, helping grow the wealth of all the passive investors that invest in your deals. I mean, there's so many different impacts. It's that's awesome. I, that's I love true. seeing you smile about it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and and I would like to tell, like you know, I mean, um, it, it was a difficult decision because he was. It was a he was at a very good position uh, currently, and he it was a huge um, huge uh, income that we he we left behind because we we know how much this industry can uh, reward us if you if you know given the option to hundred percent focus on this and uh, we th- we said okay well better our time is better spent here than there so we decided to take this step. And I think, um, I would say, you know, if somebody is on the edge, uh, of, you know, if this is something they want to go, I think you should, they have, you have, it is a great industry to be in. And, um, yeah, but persistence is definitely a key. You persistence have to is definitely key. And, and, you know, the other thing is, I know some people, you know, and your husband is included in this, that, you know, they stayed in, in their W2 jobs and did this you know, in addition to before they gave up their W-2 job, you know, exactly. Like mm-hmm. if you just give up your W-2 job and you go full speed, you just don't know if you're going to be the person to get the first deal in three months or three years. So, exactly. you know, you won't be able to support yourself. And exactly. so you, you have to be able to give yourself that running room. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it was perfect situation for you guys where, you know, in a couple, maybe one person can afford to spend all the time and the other person is, is waiting it out and trying to build up that, um, that cash flow so that they, the, you know, the spouse can leave as well. So, um, that's, that's what huge. We did, yeah. mm-hmm. um, talk about fear. I mean, were you nervous at all? Like, especially in the beginning? It, yes, I would say yes. In the beginning, yes, it was uh, because, uh, you know, you're very new to the industry. And I mean, I was not new in the sense I did not know real estate. I knew real estate because I was uh, already in real estate for two years at the time or three years. Um, but um, but then again, like, you know, learning uh, this is my family is a different ball game, And um when we came, and then you know getting to know building your reputation definitely and then getting into a deal uh initially i mean as you know right like uh, it is always like as you get into a new deal it is there is a little bit of fear somewhere but but if you are confident that you know um we are going to resolve anything that comes on the way so we, i was we were confident enough that okay we whatever comes we will figure it out so um, we were like, although it is a little scary in the beginning, but, you know, we went, we were like, you know, uh, no, we have to go with it. And me and me and Satish, we believe, you know, going uh, bigger is the way to go because, um, you know, even if it's a bigger size and that's how we focused finding bigger size deals is um, the amount of work or uh, efforts that goes into this deal is same. Uh, even if it, you're doing smaller size deal or a bigger size deal. So we decided, okay, let's just do big, focus on a little bigger assets uh, as compared to smaller ones because we are going to do the same effort. Um, so, and if there is a problem, we'll resolve it and we'll keep going. Yeah. Um, I had somebody on, on the podcast recently that said that also goes for larger deals and mm-hmm. said, you know, thinking about going to, uh, 
maybe a slowdown. You know, he just gave this one example. It wasn't the only reason for going for larger, but this was one was, was, you know, hey, if maybe we have four people on the inside leasing and four people on the outside, but if the economy slows down, we could potentially run it with three and three and save that payroll. Like that's a potential where if you're in a property that has one leasing person and one maintenance person, you really can't do that. I mean, I guess you could have a temporary person, but um, it's very difficult to, you know, to save that payroll cost as compared to a larger property. Right. That's true. Um, so where do you go from here? I mean, you've, well, you've done so much. <laughs> like what, you know, what's the next big stretch goal for you? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, uh, we continue uh, going after deals. Uh, and now that, you know, we are... Uh, bigger team with me and my husband both full time in this and uh, so the idea is to basically expand um you know um to try to get some um higher people to help us with you know things that we uh, because it's, it's 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 a lot of work and there are things that we can get done so maybe hire people to get some stuff done that is and not waste our efforts on those things but instead we are focused more on you know finding good deals and how you know dissolving issues that that needs more more of our attention and not work on um you know um like you know the certain things like you know marketing and stuff that we can outsource we 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 would like to hire people for that so basically expand expanding our business and we are definitely you know making um setting our goals for 2023 and uh um, working on that, but yeah, this is like, you know, the idea is to expand, uh, our company, uh, and, uh, hire more people, uh, make a team and, uh, eventually, you know, um, see how we can bring more efficiencies to what we have. And, uh, it's yeah. funny because, uh, you know, I think when you start the journey, it's pretty similar for most people. Like, you know, look, I'm trying to get financial independence. I'm trying to, you know, build wealth for my family. And then later, as you get more and more, like and more and more experience, then you realize, you know, you're, you have other people that are coming to you and saying, hey, how'd you do it? And you start helping other people. And then you, you, you actually have a business and you start, instead of just how do I get the next deal? It's okay, well, how do I build the infrastructure of my business to, you know, handle this? And, and where do I want to focus and how do I offload, you know, certain tasks to other people? And so some of the challenges in the problem solving changes a little bit. Yes, exactly. So, well, good for you. I I look forward to watching that. Um, you know, I think that going back to what, what could happen, you know, with the economy, um, and multifamily being a strong, really strong asset class, I, you know, I wish I had a crystal ball also. Um, we don't know if rates are going to, you know, are hitting the ceiling now or if they're going to keep on rolling higher and higher. Uh, we don't know if inflation is going to keep going or whether it's going to turn around and go the other way. Um, but we do know that certain markets, population, you know, people are moving in and people are moving out of certain growth moving out of certain markets, high, high cost mm-hmm. markets. And I think to myself, all right, if we go into a recession, 
and I live in a high cost market and I lose my job, what am I going to do? I'm most likely going to move into one of these lower cost, high growth markets. So even in a recession, you know, certain areas could still see population migration coming in. Um, So there could still be growth of people and um, that provides competition for apartments. In addition, you know, residential real estate prices have gone crazy through since COVID. Yes, and for sure. If people lose their jobs in a recession, well, they're going to have to sell, and then those are additional renters. So, exactly. yes. you know, for those reasons, I think that even in a in a downtime, multifamily could still fare well. I mean, only time will tell to see, um, you know, what happens. But, yes. you know, those are, those are some factors that I think could play into it. Definitely. I think uh, I agree with you. I mean, definitely people need place to live. And uh, I think we have seen that in the past as well. Like, you know, even in 2007-8 time period, I think this asset class did really well, uh, especially apartments, because... This is, you know, something that people would need. Um, they need a place to stay. Uh, nobody, not everybody can afford the house. And given the current, current interest rate, I think residential market has slowed down quite a bit because, you know, people don't want to buy, be buying at such high People can't afford rate. it. I mean. They cannot, yeah. Right. And yeah, even if people, like, you know, there are people who who can, they're like, no, let's wait it out. It's not the urgency to buy it right now. And because why do you want to pay that high interest rate. So yeah, people are holding back and uh, that makes, uh, you know, apartment uh, more, uh, you know, uh, attractive place, uh, attractive um, asset class because people have to live somewhere. So they will definitely, that is the second choice. If you don't have in a house, you live in an apartment. Absolutely. And and some people are choosing that too. The millennials and, and uh, baby boomers, a lot of them are choosing to do that so they don't have the maintenance and, and they're not yes. locked down and they can travel. Um, yes. They can move from one location to another location. So all those advantages. Uh, so what about, um, what do you like to do outside of work for fun? Uh, well, I think uh, like we like to travel. Uh, we have been, you know, um, planning some traveling uh this year we did quite a bit and uh, that's the plan for 2023 as so well you went international didn't you we went international yes we went to um we went to like you know, one of the trip was to india and then another one was costa rica and we went um so we, we are trying to you know um plan more and more travel now that we have more time in hand and and especially I have a son he's 14 now 14? and we have just yeah we, we just have four years that you know before he goes to college and becomes really, really busy uh, with his uh, schedule. So we want to make sure that, you know, in these four years, we travel with him and, you know, make some good memories. And so that when, you know, because after kids go to college and, you know, they start their career, they become so busy, they have only so much time, you know, to spend with us. So we want to make sure that, you know, we make most of these four years. So traveling is one thing I love. And another thing, believe it or not, but we do, <laughs> we do real estate for hobby. We, we drive around <laughs> looking at the, looking at, okay, the, maybe, you know, uh, what, 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 what else we can do and how, you know, so we, we do that for fun too. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is funny, but like, look, at least you're picking an industry that you 
enjoy, right? I yes. mean, there's yes. so many people in this world that are, you know, living and working and they're not happy with what they're doing, um, but they they kind of have to do it. They feel like they have to do it. So, um, yeah. so I applaud you for, for doing that. Hey, um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they how do they reach out and get to know more about you? Uh, well, uh, there's uh, we have a website. It's called Common Sense Dot Ventures, um, and uh, they can reach out to me uh, for any further questions or you know anything they, I can help them with. Is uh, Deepika at Common Sense Dot Ventures. So, how did you come up with the name? Uh, well, I think uh, the reason uh, we chose this name is easy to remember. <laughs> that was, I think that is something, you know, uh, if you hear it once, you will remember it. It's it's uh, not a complicated one. Uh, and so that's how we, we decided to move forward with this name. Because Fantastic. It is, so it's Common it Sense Dot Ventures. Um, I would, look, this girl came on to the scene. She's a proven case study of if you believe and you decide you can do it. You really, yes. you really, really can. And um, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing with the listeners. Um, listeners, until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.